Boys, are you ready? Yes. Bedtime Story, Adventure, 2018. Chapter 2. Get off! It said again, giving the sack another hard yank. Hang on, James said. What's going on with all this rubbish around town? The rat looked at James suspiciously. Nothing's going on. It's none of your business. Now get off! James held his foot firm. If it's none of my business, then something must be going on. Is Lord Ratzenberg behind this? All he said was that we needed to... And then the rat paused. How do you know his lordship's name? We've done business before, James said quickly. He thought business would sound better than explaining that Lord Ratzenberg had tried to throw him into prison two years ago for trespassing. The rat looked James up and down, then looked at his sack of cables, as if trying to decide whether it was worth abandoning or not. It let out a sigh. Look, all I do is go through the bags, get the cables and take them to his lordship. I don't know nothing about his plans. Nothing. James lifted his foot and the rat yanked the netting sack free and disappeared back into the rubbish pile. So there was something going on. And more than likely Lord Ratzenberg was up to no good. But that could wait. He had a maker project to fix. He stepped out of the rubbish pile and continued into town. The Brighton Maker Workshop was in Sussex House, a tall, shabby office building between the park and the railway station. Some of the offices in the building were rented out to small businesses. Some of them were empty. The makers had managed to get access to a whole load of connected office space at the back of the ground floor. The sun was almost down by the time James reached the doors to Sussex House. They were locked, but James knew the six-digit code, and he tapped it carefully into a keypad on the left of the entrance. The distinct click of the magnetic lock release sounded. He heaved the heavy door open and went inside. Electric lights hummed into action as he walked down a tatty hallway to the back of the building. The Patcham High School Maker Club had run three trips to the workshop at Sussex House so far this year. The school club had their own space in the DT department at Patcham High. But the Brighton Maker Workshop had some really cool stuff. Projects that had taken years, robots that were legendary amongst makers, and boxes and boxes of useful parts. James had made it a regular stop if he ever went past it at the weekend. There were lights on inside the first office of the workshop. It was used as a common room, a social space with old armchairs, a pool table, an old pinball machine, and shelves full of comics that members had donated. A middle-aged man with greying hair was sitting on an armchair, furiously tapping into a netbook. Hi, Mike, James said. Hold on, Mike said without looking up. The tapping continued, gradually getting faster in a crescendo until it finished with a single hard strike of the enter key. Mike slammed the lid of the little laptop with a flourish. How can I help? he said. Mike was a legend of Brighton makers. His projects had been copied all over the country. He'd even helped design robots that had competed in Robot Wars, an old series from the last days of terrestrial television. If there was anyone that could help, Mike was the person. I'm having a bit of a problem with a release mechanism for a bottle rocket, James started, and then went on to explain the difficulty with holding the bottle tight and the force needed to release the holding mechanism. And you want to trigger from a smartphone? James nodded. Sounds like you could use a Bluetooth-controlled servo motor. Mike spent the next half an hour 
talking about possible ways of implementing the servo using Arduino as a controller. It was amazing, exactly what James needed. He already had an Android app that could communicate with an Arduino Uno. The servo was the missing piece. Let's see what we've got lying around in the shop, Mike said, getting up and leading James through to the next office. It was filled with workbenches, and the walls were covered with shelves filled with boxes of parts. After a few minutes, Mike found the right box. It was empty. Ah, he said, looks like we're out of luck. Really? James didn't manage to hide the disappointment in his voice. Then he had a thought. Can I order one online? Not if you want to get it before Christmas. They're pretty specialist and shipped from China, and the last lot I ordered took months to arrive. I kind of need it by next week for the Mini Maker Fair at the Corn Exchange, James said. Then he remembered his manners. But thanks for explaining it all. Well, I guess we could steal one from another project of mine. I'd need it back before New Year, though. I'm using it to control some pretty powerful firework launches for a big New Year party at the Cricket Club. It was James's turn to think. The New Year's fireworks at the Cricket Club were a big deal for the Maker Club. It was a proper commercial contract that helped fund the part higher of the offices. James wouldn't want to jeopardise that just for his Year 7 stall at the Christmas Mini Maker Fair. But then again, Mike wouldn't offer if it wasn't okay, and he'd be happy to bring the servo back after the fair. A few minutes later, James was skipping out of Sussex House, the servo safely inside a small plastic Tupperware tucked into the side pocket of his rucksack. It was dark outside, cold too. James could see his breath in the glow from the streetlights. He fished his woolly hat from his pocket and pulled it down over his unruly blonde hair. A taxi pulled up to the side road in front of him, and James paused before crossing the road. He half-jogged to keep warm, eyes down, dodging bin bags and checking for more unusual rat activity. A flutter of wings made him look up briefly. A small flock of pigeons flew over him and then split into two groups. One group landed on a set of stacked containers on the left of the junction. The other group perched on a recycling bin on the right. Directly between the two groups was the taxi. The traffic lights went green as James reached the junction. The taxi turned left and both groups of pigeons took off in pursuit. As it turned, James caught a glimpse of a familiar face in the back seat. A young girl about his age with short dark hair. Did he know her? It had been two years since he last saw her, so he couldn't be sure. James turned right, back towards the park. He couldn't help thinking about the girl in the car, and surely it wasn't a coincidence that the pigeons were following a taxi while the rats were rummaging for wires. Rather than walk back through the park, he took a right and then a left up Beaconsfield. It was a long avenue lined with expensive three-storey Victorian terraced houses. Most of them had been broken into flats, but some of them were still one big posh house. About halfway up on the left, he found the house he was looking for. It had a big new-looking red door. The door had been replaced two years ago, after it was smashed open by a team of rat assassins. There was a light up in the very top attic window. Elf's room. He took the small flight of stairs up to the door, two at a time, rang the bell and waited. And waited. No answer. He tried one more time. And waited. Then gave up. Maybe she was back, maybe she wasn't. He'd remember to tell Jenny in the morning. As he turned to head back, two pigeons landed on the stone balustrades either side of the stairs. 
James went quickly between them and stepped onto the pavement. Right in front of him, the doors of a large black car opened, and a very large man, wearing all black, jumped out. If James hadn't been disturbed by the birds, he certainly was at the appearance of the man. He dodged round to the left, between the man and the railings in front of Elf's house. The man put out a massive gloved hand to stop him, but James slipped lithely underneath it. The man grunted with surprise, and James started past the car. "'Police!' a voice called out of the back seat. James paused, which was an error, as in that instant the big man's hand clamped down hard onto his backpack and held him in place. "'Get off!' James hissed. "'Now, now!' the voice in the car said mockingly. "'Just answer a few questions, and you can be on your way.' 